You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. All right, am I on? Great. So good to be here with you this morning. Um, Pray God, Father, just quiet our hearts and... Put these words deep in our hearts, God. It's so easy just to get information and for us not to be impacted, just for us to walk out the same. Take these words, Holy Spirit, and plant them deep in our hearts. Amen. All right, this morning we're talking about going deep. And um, you can put the first slide up. Deeper into the things that God has for us. And the ways in which we go deeper into God and your life will determine the fruit your life produces. This morning, we're going to be talking about the Word of God, the Bible, how we can go deeper into the things that God has for us through the Bible. And we're going to just spend the whole morning, the next 30 minutes, um, in this one passage, Colossians 3.16. So you can turn there. We're going to camp out there all morning. I'm going to read it for us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Amen. What does this all mean? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. They say that this, that phrase, the word of Christ, it refers to the actual literal teachings, the stories of Jesus. So here's Paul and his compadres going to all these different Greek cities, and uh, Luke was with them. Luke's this guy who collected all the stories of Jesus and all the sayings of Jesus, and Luke's with them. And these new believers, they're learning all these stories. They're hearing them. And Paul says here, These teachings, these stories of Jesus, put them in your heart. May they dwell in your heart richly. What does that mean, richly? I mean, these Greek people, they they were no stranger to lavish lifestyles. And we we can think of it like this. When you walk into a fancy hotel or, or a big mansion, and there's all this fancy decoration, beautiful pictures. My, my personal favorite, when I was doing construction about 15 years ago, these, we worked on some beautiful houses and the two-story fireplaces, big stone fireplace, big fire with leather couches in front of it. That, that's my personal favorite. Big, big wooden mantle. And in a place like that, you would not want to put up my artwork on that mantle. No. You want to put something beautiful up, something rich. Paul's saying, take the word of God, take these stories of Jesus and put them like a beautiful treasure on the mantle of your heart. So, I mean, just just to, what does this mean? Um, Here's an example of this. John 15, 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And he goes on to say, and you are the friends I'm referring to. And they didn't know this yet, but 
Jesus was about to lay down his life for them. That's lavish. I mean, who, who, who does that? It doesn't matter if 2,000 years ago, if you're a Greek person or if you're living right now in Ohio or if you're Hindu or Muslim, that is lavish love. How about this passage from Matthew 11? You can just close your eyes and, and just feel the richness of this verse. Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Wow, that's just like chicken noodle soup for the soul. We could, we could go on all morning and just talk about the richness of the words of Jesus. And Paul says these words, they should be like rich, like a beautiful picture. And we could, sometimes we print out pictures and we frame them in our house and we put them up on the mantle. The words of Jesus are words of the Psalms. And these words, Paul says, put them on the mantle of your heart. May they be rich to you. Let's talk about how do you do that? Like, what's the methodology? Like, how, how, do, you, how do you do that? So uh, there's two things, kind of stupid things people say. And I, I, maybe I've never said these things, but I've definitely, I've, I've lived this way. People say, well, I don't really, I'm not really into reading, so I don't really, I don't read the Bible. I'm not into that. Or other things people say is, I just like to listen to things and listen to sermons or the radio. So I don't really, I don't really do reading. I don't read the Bible. And let, let me just talk about that for a second. Let me, talk, let me share with you Ephesians 3, 3. Paul says in Ephesians 3, 3, says, uh, it's not on the screen, so just listen. You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. He had this special uh, responsibility that God gave him to preach to the Gentiles, right? How the mystery was made known by revelation to me, as I have written to you briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into God's mystery, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has been now made known through his holy apostles, the disciples. So before Jesus... It was a mystery, God's redemptive plan in history and how God was going to rescue the world through the Messiah. It was a mystery. And now that Jesus has come and he's showed his redemptive plan to the disciples, the apostles, and, and now to Paul, they understand it. They get it. And what does Paul say here? He says, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. You can understand what's going on. How? How? By reading this letter, when you read this, church, Pastor Phil said, there's lots of ways we can connect with God. I love listening to sermons. I love listening to the radio. You know, I love come. oh, Wednesday, last Wednesday night was great for me. I'm not usually, I'm not one that's prone to going dark or sitting quiet for half an hour or an hour. Um, I, get, I get antsy, you know. That was just Jesus met me last Wednesday night, and it was great. There's different ways to connect with God. 
But hear, hear, hear Paul's voice in Ephesians 3.3. 3. If you're not reading, getting information into your head, you're missing out. So let me give you kind of two steps and two practical um, tools to do this. The, the process is like this. When you read, you have to understand, and then you process spiritually, emotionally, right? So I'll admit, I struggle with reading comprehension, and especially like reading memory. Uh, I remember in college, I'd, I'd read a chapter of a book, and then I'd come back the next day and have to write the paper on it. I'm like, hold on, what did I read? How am I writing? I'm like, then I have to go back and reread? And sometimes the, the, the key is when you read, if you're not really understanding it, what it's saying, it's not going to stick in your brain, and it's definitely not going to go into your heart. It's definitely not going to out, come out into your life. So let me give, give you a, a practical tool. This study Bible, it's, it's, it's a lifesaver. I mean, especially you're reading through a book like Colossians. Colossians, this was written, what, in, in Greek 2,000 years ago, different language, different culture, and the words and the concepts are just different. There's a bunch of, like, philosophical words in here. And it's, come on, you know what I mean. You're reading through it sometimes, and it's so wordy. It's like, what's this guy trying to say? What's the main point? And a study Bible really, really helps me. It'll help you. And you can turn to the front, and you can see, oh, there's a main theme. Each book of the Bible, there's, like, there's a theme, or there's a point in these, uh, Paul's letters. He's trying to make a point. He has two or three different points he's trying to make. And then you get a, a weird word. It's like, oh, what does that word mean? It doesn't even make sense. And then they have the, these great notes at the bottom. And so the first step is just to understand what's going on, right? Second step is to process emotionally and spiritually, to get it into your heart. So one great tool I've used, and you can just get a, a really get a notebook, get a piece of paper, get a journal, uh, my wife bought me this one. It's, it's a journaling set. There's, there's verses over here, and it's blank over here. And I just process. So like this passage, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you can pray. You can write. You can process. God, does, the word of, does your word dwell in me richly? Am I distracted? What does that mean, richly? And you can just reflect. How much time am I looking at screens as opposed to reading your word? And it's just you're processing it. I guarantee you, if you're writing down and, and processing a verse of the Bible and journal it, guess what? It's going to get in your heart. It's going to get deep in your heart. Let's read Psalms 119, verse 97. If we're studying it, not studying, this is, this is just reading. This is getting a study Bible. This is not, you know, doing Greek and Hebrew and all that, you know, deep study. This is just reading well. And if we're journaling, I hope we can say, like the, like the psalmist says in this passage, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, and your testimonies are my meditation. 
I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Is the word of God dwelling in us? Is it rich to us? To the extent, are we understanding it? Are we processing it? Most of the time, I can't say, oh, man, that verse, I love that verse. It just, we can't say that. But if we're understanding it, if we're processing it, we're going to see, wow, this is rich. This is good. I want to hang this on the mantle of my heart. And then we can say like the psalmist, I love your law. I meditate all the day on it. It is always before me. Your testimonies, all the good things you've done in the past, all these stories, they're, they're always before me. And what's the result? I keep your commands. Woo! Talk about going deep. It's going deep and it's, coming, it's, it's flowing out into your life. I want a life like that. That's going to take work. You know, it just doesn't have, our, what's our default? Our default is passivity, laziness. You look at your phone. This takes work. But you know what the fruit of your life is going to be? See the richness of God. Your mind's going to be renewed. Um, so that's just my, those are two tools um, that you can use. We've got we to move on. Next, uh, next part of this verse. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. What does this mean? So we have the word of God richly in our hearts. But we just don't stop there. We don't learn the Bible just to learn it. It's just not information, right? We learn it so we can share it with others. Uh, what Pastor Phil was alluding to, you know, we, we love community groups. I, I personally, I love community groups. And um, right now there's this lot of organic groups going on in the church. Um, and in the future, we want to get more groups going. And that's, this is what, who Paul's really talking to. He's talking to this church. who It's like a house church. And so I want to give you this little golden nugget, especially for teaching during community groups or during your, during your Bible studies during the week. And a good teacher, how do you teach? A good teacher doesn't just rattle off information, right? A good teacher leads people to the truth helps people discover the meaning of the text and asks questions and engages people's critical thinking and emotions. Because often, right, the teacher can just get up there, rattle off the information and do all the thinking and the people in the back, they're falling asleep, right? You guys woke up, right? And um, so let me, let me show you how we can do this, right? How do you engage people? You engage them through questions, so we're, we're in a, you know, our Bible study during the week. We're right here, and, um, and we're studying this passage, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of God, Christ dwell in you richer as, as you teach and admonish one another. What does that mean? And I say to the group, hey, guys, what does this word, what does this word admonish mean? And, and good thing we have this study Bible because that's going to help us out. <laughs> and this guy, Bill, over here, he's like, well, I think that means like you teach people, you know, the information, but admonish is like you've got to say it seriously to them. You know, it's a little bit more intense. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's right. 
And so, anybody else? What does this word admonish mean? And a good thing I did my homework because I didn't know what it really meant either. And I looked it up right before I came here, and it means to warn, to strongly encourage, to urge. All right, guys. So why do you think Paul puts these two words together? Teach and admonish. What's going on here? Teach and admonish. And, um, you know, the other lady in the group, Mary Sue, I don't do a very good, you know, old lady impression. <laughs> but uh, she, says, she says, well, we have to teach people the Bible and then we have, to, we have to encourage them. We have, to, we have to really kind of push them along. And she said, well, we shouldn't just be hearers of the word. We should be doers of the word. Because it's one thing just to hear it, and it's another thing kind of to live it out. I'm like, yeah, right on. And third question, what's the best way to admonish somebody? How do we do that, right? We're trying to engage critical thinking, how is the best way to admonish somebody? And you guys can practice this in your, in your small groups, in your, in your Bible studies. Ask questions that draw people out. Ask questions that engage critical thinking. So what is the best way to admonish somebody? And you know this, this guy Bill over here, uh, he's actually my mechanic too. <laughs> I've been thinking about this imaginary thing too, way too long. And uh, Bill's like, well, you know, if we're going to warn somebody, encourage them, you got to kind of get in their face and be like, bro, you can't be doing that. You, this, is, this is not the way to do it. You got to do it like this, right? Mary Sue, she's like, well, actually, it's better just to be more gentle and say things to people respectfully and relationally. I'm like, Bill, I think Mary Sue's got a point, you know. Sometimes, some people, that's what they need, you know, some people. But for the most part, we got to go to people in the gentleness and gentleness and meekness and relationally. And um, really what Paul's talking about is, guys, this is just, Pastor Phil mentioned, this is life-on-life discipleship. We're in each other's lives, and we're we're, yes, we have the word of God. We're teaching each other. It's in us. We're teaching it, but it doesn't stop there. We're urging it. We're encouraging it. We're pushing each other along to be like Jesus. Let's go on. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So as the word is in us, as it is coming out of us, we're teaching it's in the community, in our groups, where we're pushing each other along towards this, we're encouraging each other, and it's, we're doing it with practical application of wisdom. We're, we're pushing each other onto the, the practical application that produces good fruit in our lives. And so I just, uh, I wanted to take just three, four minutes and try this out. And I just want to say, this week, the youth have been on my heart in this church. And I just wanted to take three, four minutes and just speak a, a practical to admonish with wisdom. And um, youth, 
Uh, we probably have, I don't know how many youth in this room, maybe 10 or so. Um, this is an exciting time in your life, right? High school is a blast. Middle school is amazing. I remember it. Um, it can also be a really crazy time in your life, right? And things are changing fast. And listen, the ways that you think, the ways we decide what to do with romance will have huge influence on the rest of your life. It's very easy to wreck your heart, to wreck your life because of really bad decisions about romance. Listen, the Bible has so much wisdom for you guys. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 is filled with wisdom about relationships, romance, and sexuality. I know you guys have Jeff and Tiffany that love you guys so much that are pouring into you. My encouragement, listen to them. I'm urging you with wisdom, listen to them. If you put romance above marriage and above fidelity, a covenant relationship of marriage, there's going to be a lot of pain in your life. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 talks about this. Read it. That's your homework this week, right? If you put marriage, fidelity above romance, prioritize it up here, you guys are going to have wisdom lived out in your life, right? I have five beautiful children, a wonderful, beautiful wife, and I look back and I attribute the success of my family and my marriage to when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. I had great parents, and I had mentors that talked to me about romance, sexuality, the importance of marriage. They taught me the word of God, what it says. And my life was changed from, from those relationships. You guys have amazing mentors in your life, especially Jeff and Tiffany. Hold on to them. And I urge you, with wisdom, let your heart uh, just hold on to what they say. And you know what? You're going to have good fruit. You're going to have success in life if you let the word of, these words of God dwell in you. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, dwell in you richly. Your lives are going to be changed. All right. Amen. We've got to go on. Next part, I keep rereading it, rereading it, because it's, it's getting deep in us, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God, right? So the word of God is rich to us. These words of Jesus, they're maybe a little confusing at first, these parables, right? It's like these fictional stories that Jesus is telling to make a point. And what is that? What are the, what's the point of the story? And these, especially these letters that Paul's writing, they're kind of confusing. But we're, we're looking into our study Bibles, and we're kind of understanding. And then we are writing things down. We're sitting at the, you know, the, the table in the morning for half an hour drinking coffee, and we're processing it emotionally, spiritually. They're going into us. And if it's in us, guess what? If it's, if it's in us deeply, it's going to come out 
We're going to teach these things. We're going to be talking about these things. And sooner or later, we're going to be encouraging others in these things, right? We're going to be warning other people on these things, right? With all wisdom. With the outcome of these things is success in life. Just not in life, but spiritual success as well. And what's the result of all this? Woo! Worship. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? When God made Adam and Eve, his heart for them, even his, his heart for us now, is to fill our souls with praise and joy, right? When we experience his riches through his word deep in our souls and in, in community, the result is gratitude, joy, worship, right? Band, you can come back up. Hmm. I, no one says it better than how Jesus said it, to sum up this last point. Listen to the words of Jesus. Hang these words on the mantle of your heart. Let them sink deeply in you. If you keep my commands, right? That sounds kind of like we're not really attracted to those words. Oh, keep rules and commands? What? No, if we conform our lives and our minds to what Jesus is teaching us, What's going to happen? If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you. Why? So that you can obey me? So that I can be the, the, you know, the, the rightful king of the universe and get all the glory? That would have been an appropriate thing to say. That's true. He is the king of the universe. Now, what's, what's his heart for us? Hear his heart for us. I've told you these things to obey my commands. Why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Mm. Guys, there's pleasures at the right hand of God, right? Are we, we get sidetracked with weak pleasures, with looking at Facebook and TikToks or whatever, and we miss out on the pleasures of God, right? And the richness of God, the richness of the words of Christ. Don't miss out, church. Let them, let his words, the words of Christ, the words of Scripture, put them on the mats over your heart. Read it. Look in your study Bible if you have to. Journal and teach it. Teach others. Teach your grandkids. Teach your kids. And the result's going to be worship. God, you are good. You are good. Let's, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You give us rest for our souls, Father. You restore us, Lord. There's, there's no, no one like you. You give us peace and rest. And Lord, right now, we take communion, and we remember your holy life. We remember how you died to forgive us, to restore us to relationship with the Father. Lord, we look forward to being with you forever, singing your praises forevermore. As we worship you now, Father, bring us into the joy of your Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.